Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I got to play you this audio that has come across the transom here from the President of the United States. Of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains <laughs> we're going to accommodate them we're going to seize their yachts their luxury homes and other ill-begotten gains of putin's kleptocracy uh, yeah kleptocracy and club the guys who are the kleptocracies <laughs> but these are bad guys of uh, that will <laughs> this comes on the heels of this one from the president more game-changing investments for educators, students, and families. We're in competition for leading the 21st century. Not a joke. That's where, we're, that's where we are right now. You know, if, uh, parenthetically, if you think about it, what was the reason why we led the world beginning around 1905, 6, and 7, and 8? Because we became the first nation in the world to have universal education of 1 through 12 for everybody, no matter what. Uh, 19, 5, 6, 7, 8. Who do we appreciate? Not that guy. Uh, Brandon, um, gosh, y'all. Um, listen, I, I try to be more graceful about this than most, and I, I still get myself in trouble. The president is an 80-year-old man who does have a speech impediment. He stutters. I am sympathetic to that because I do too. Mine has gotten so much better from when I was a kid. Oh, I, I can remember times when I was a kid and and people would just tell me, slow down, slow down. And, you know, I talk fast. I do. I have a couple of listeners, if I'm honest, they will send me angry emails on occasion, furious at how fast I have talked. And when I get spun up and excited, I tend not to go up in pitch, but to go up in speed. Now, I talk slower on a regular basis than Ben Shapiro. <laughs> um, ben, Ben's a friend, I can say that. Uh, he He's probably the fastest talker in radio. But I know I can I can pick up speed and I can trip over my words. I can stumble. Uh, there was a guy on on radio in Atlanta for a while who would do a uh, parody of me. He was trying to get attention from his radio station because they were uh, inferior in every way and tiny and ultimately went out of business. And he would stumble and stutter as his impression of me. And I get that. I also get that they did not succeed. But I try to be a little more graceful with the president of the United States because I grew up uh, stuttering terribly. Um, Mel Tellis, the country music singer, was a hero of mine when I was a kid because that guy stuttered awful. I know most of you these days, Philip is like, who the hell are you talking about? Um he was a brilliant uh, country music artist back in the day. Uh, really, really was. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, he died in 2017. 
at the ripe old age of 85 years old. Uh, his daughter, Pam Tillis, was a country music singer as well. He was a horrible stutterer, horrible. And, and so I loved him when I was a kid. I tr- say all of that to say I try to be a little more graceful f- to the president than most. But the fact that no one on the left can admit there's something going on there. I remember when Donald Trump was president of the United States. I am old enough to remember major media outlets like CNN and MSNBC would have come on therapists, psychiatrists, mental health experts to talk about the mental health of Donald Trump. In fact, in the last week or two, there's been another uh, flurry of questions about Donald Trump's health and mental acuity and his age. They're perfectly willing to talk about these things about Donald Trump, but they never want to talk about it with Joe, about Joe Biden. He is obviously, painfully, obviously not the Joe Biden of just four years ago. He's not. He sure as heck is not the Joe Biden of the Obama administration, nor the Joe Biden of the Senate. And part of that is age. But there's more to it than that. I know Secret Service agents who work at the White House. I do. And they themselves are very discreet. But even they will not deny the fact that there are issues. Put it to you that way. They're not openly spilling secrets. But they are themselves concerned with the mental acuity of the President of the United States couple of the ones I know that I've talked to. I've got friends who know these guys as well. And and it, all, to a person, now we don't know all of them, but the ones we know, everybody's a little concerned. And Biden relies on Ron Klain, his chief of staff. I can't imagine after what's coming for the Democrats in November that Klain will survive very long uh, because what's coming is doom. And the Democrats at this point know it. They do kind of know it, and they're trying to move on as if they uh, as if they can do something. They're trying to get, for example, Build Back Better to come back again. But Joe Manchin has spoken on this now, and Manchin says it's not coming. And one last thing for you: there's a lot of talk over the recess about this revival of Build Back Better. There's not a Build Back Better revival. There's not. I mean, public policy; these major social changes should go through. The process. That's what the process is for. And that's why the Senate is what it is. You have to build consensus. And it's basically go through a committee hearing, have people come in speaking for or against, and have a markup, make changes to make it better, and then see where we go from then. And if you think you need reconciliation because you've got a great piece of legislation, but people are playing politics with it, that's another. We never even had that yet. We haven't had hearings on any of these things. Reconciliation should be used for financial, and financial means we have to get our financial house in order. You have runaway inflation. That should be the first and foremost thing in our mind. It's hurting every day. Everybody in America is getting hit by this. It's, an, it's just a, you know, it's a tax, and there's no way to camouflage that. But we're not doing that at all. So we should be changing our tax code to make it fair and equitable, and everybody pay, no matter how rich you are. Everyone participates in this government. So the best they may be able to do is tax increases as the uh, GDP surprised everyone by going down. 
that's probably not going to work out well for them. This is the this is an actual actual headline at Politico. Someone is taking too many edibles. Despair mounts over Biden's domestic agenda. Virtually everyone agrees serious progress must be made on the domestic agenda in the next few weeks. How that happens is less clear. The White House began the week with a modest goal of resuscitating its domestic agenda. Get Joe Manchin to the negotiating table. So far, the seats are empty. With the clock ticking on their hopes of clinching a major climate and deficit reduction deal before Memorial Day, Democratic leaders are again struggling to make progress, stymied by a lack of clear direction or an understanding of what both Manchin and Cinema, their two biggest obstacles, are prepared to support. The White House is hamstrung by the Venn diagram of Manchin and Cinema. asks, said a person familiar with Manchin and the White House dynamics. Currently, informal reconciliation talks center on three major areas, climate change, prescription drug reform, and deficit reduction. While the White House has yet to acknowledge other social spending elements have been removed off the table, multiple people familiar with the talks said President Joe Biden's ambitions on child and elder care are all but dead. And even getting a slimmed-down reconciliation package through the evenly divided Senate will depend solely on Biden's ability to get Manchin and Cinema to yes. And seven months after the White House first tried to crack the Manchinema puzzle last September, it's clear little has changed. I got to find this edible quote in, in the story here uh, and, and see if it's attributed to someone. Uh, yes. Given how dysfunctional Congress is right now, someone is taking too many edibles if they think they can get a deal with a slimmed down build back better in July or August, said Jim Manley, who was a top aide to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Congress simply can't deal with it. It's now or never and leaning towards never. Oh, boy. You know, politics is simple and complex at the same time. And things that seem simple are oftentimes very complex, and things that are very complex seem very simple. It seems very simple to get Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema to the table. Uh, the problem, however, is that Cinema uh, and Manchin have competing, differing goals. Cinema, for example, does not want tax increases right now. Joe Manchin wants tax increases right now. So if you get Joe Manchin on tax increases, you lose Kristen Cinema. How do you thread the needle? I'm not sure. But they can't get anyone to the table right now. Ron Klain is not very good at this. I got to tell you guys, it's an unpopular opinion in my circle of friends. But Anita Dunn, y'all all know Anita Dunn. She was the the, the Marxist-loving um, Obama person who is also a friend of Joe Biden's. She would be a far more competent chief of staff than Ron Klain. And it is remarkable to me just uh, how much she refuses to even uh, try to help at this point. She doesn't want the job. She doesn't want the headache. She doesn't want the hassle. She doesn't want the pay cut. But she would actually be good for Joe Biden because Anita Dunn, for all of her faults and, and my ideological disagreements with her, she knows how to talk to Republicans without dripping with disdain. Ron Klain can't. They can't do anything right now. And they can't get Mansion, and they can't get Cinema, and they want something to run on. And you know it's not going to matter. 
That's that's the thing that everybody misses here. It is not going to matter. It does not matter if they get Build Back Better or not. Uh, if they get Build Back Better, it's just going to spend way more money. And it's going to make inflation go up even more. It's not popular. Individual pieces they've convinced themselves are popular. It's not. And it comes on the heels of a report that the U.S. left behind $7 billion of military equipment in Afghanistan. This is first from CNN, they're calling it. CNN got the exclusive here. $7 billion of military equipment the U.S. transferred to the Afghan government over the course of 16 years was left behind after the U.S. completed its withdrawal. The equipment is now in a country controlled by the very enemy the U.S. was trying to drive out over the past two decades, the Taliban. The Defense Department had no plans to return to Afghanistan to retrieve or destroy the equipment. The U.S. gave a total of $18.6 billion of equipment to the Afghan National Defense and Security Forces from 2005 to 2021, according to the report. Of the total, equipment worth $7.12 billion remained in Afghanistan after the U.S. withdrawal. Holy moly, my goodness gracious. This is, this comes on top of everything else. This is crazy. And they want Build Back Better. Nobody's going to care about Build Back Better. We got $33 billion we're sending to Ukraine. I support it, by the way, but I don't know where we're going to get the money. And we left $7 billion on the battlefield in Afghanistan. Y'all, the Democrats at this point just need to understand that if they want to mitigate what's coming in November, they've got to rally their base. And their base right now, they can't rally them by getting anything through Congress because of the filibuster. It's got to be executive actions. The president doesn't have the authority to bail out student loans. He may be able to defer them, but he can't bail them out. They may try. A court will stop him. There's not a lot to offer to their base right now other than stop the Republicans. And so much of the base is alienated by the inability to get anything done in Washington. It's just, I mean, I feel kind of bad. I mean, I shouldn't, but I do. Because I'm in politics. I've lived this cycle on the Republican side before where you knew going into it, it was going to be brutal. And you you started to believe the lies because it was the only thing that could let you sleep at night. That, no, it's not going to be that bad. In fact, we may actually pick up some seats. And, and, and you know, deep down, it's not true. It is delicious to watch the despair set in. And the Democrats not even know how to navigate it. If they had more competent people, they could navigate it. But, you know, this is one of the things that I, I think doesn't get appreciated as much. Many of the more competent people in the Democratic Party, very much like with Donald Trump, they're sitting on the sidelines. They don't want to help right now. It's not that they despise Joe Biden. That's something you got to understand here. With the Republican experts, the Republican elites and all, they didn't like Trump, and a lot of them sat on the sidelines. That's why you got the election problems that you had, because a lot of the top lawyers didn't like Trump. So they sat on the sidelines. With the Democrats, it's not that they don't like Biden. It's that they don't like the people Biden surrounded himself with. And that's where all the problems are coming from. Uh, look, I, I, I will have a recipe for you guys uh, in the next little while. I, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I got to go back through because I've been sending some sweet stuff and I, I got to come up with one for you all. But I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise I will. Uh, interestingly enough, for all of the talk of misinformation, disinformation, and the concerns of 
of the media elite over Elon Musk buying Twitter, it turns out Twitter itself has been lying to everyone. Twitter on Thursday reported mixed first quarter earnings, according to Axios, missing Wall Street expectations on revenue, but adding users. It also admitted to overcounting some monetizable daily activity users between 2019 and 2021. Analysts were expecting Twitter to post weak results. Given that the board finalized a takeover deal with Elon Musk, it could be Twitter's last earnings report. The company brought in $1.2 billion in revenue last quarter, just shy of estimates, but it says it accidentally overcounted the number of monetizable daily active users because of a feature that allowed people to link separate multiple accounts together in order to conveniently switch between them. It counted those two separate accounts as two users for more than three years. This isn't the first time Twitter's admitted overcounting its user base. In 2017, it overstated its user base numbers for the past three years. So basically now for six years, Twitter has been overstating how many users it has. And this is the most remarkable thing that I I don't know that many people realize. Twitter is disproportionately part of the conversation because so many of the elite in this country use it. Uh, The college-educated, white and black, upper-income members of the media and corporations are on Twitter. And because they're on Twitter, they assume everyone else is on Twitter. Not really. And there may be 25 million Twitter accounts, but only about 2.5 million people regularly use Twitter. And only about 200,000 people are regularly on a sustained daily basis engaged with Twitter. Disproportionately, there are about three, 400,000 people who regularly are engaged and active and prominent on Twitter. That's not a lot of people in the grand scheme of things, and it disproportionately shapes conversations in the press, which is unfortunate. Uh, Twitter, if anything, that does a disservice to the conversations we have as a nation because it gives disproportionate weight to a small number of out-of-touch people. It's the same thing. I was actually talking to, and I don't think he'll mind me saying, I was talking to Ben Sass uh, a while back. Uh, nice, nice guy. And we, we were talking about uh, these th- disproportionate coverage. And he was pointing out how, you know, only a million or so people watch Tucker Carlson and less than that watch MSNBC or CNN or or Headline News or or these other news outlets. It's not a lot of people. So much of the conversation that people fret about online isn't really in people's communities. People most online think they're the most persecuted and really they're not. Hello. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, you're more than welcome to call in. Chief Justice John Roberts uh, has issued its ruling in Cummings versus Premier. Uh, The court ruled six to three that emotional distress damages are not available in Affordable Care Act suits. The the three progressive justices dissented. Now, this is notable because the Cummings versus Premier case was argued in December. And the way the court works 
is that uh, you you don't have the same justice right a majority opinion for multiple cases argued in a month. What happens is when a Supreme Court has when the Supreme Court has hearings, oral arguments, the justices then go into a room at the end of the day uh, and they go around the table. Uh, an order from Chief Justice and then most senior justice after the Chief Justice, so Justice Breyer, uh, and no, 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 no uh, Justice Thomas, and and then down to the 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 youngest, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and they decide where where they are, their initial gut reaction based on reading all the paperwork and hearing the oral arguments, and then the chief assigns who's going to draft the opinion, and he keeps in front of him a little sheet that shows uh, for each month who's already drafted a majority opinion or not. Uh, if it, he is in the minority, then he allows uh, someone in the majority, the, mo- the most senior justice in the majority, to assign the opinion. And they don't write multiple opinions in a month. So if Chief Justice Roberts is not in the majority and Clarence Thomas is in the majority, Clarence Thomas would then assign who writes the opinion. Now, this is all notable because Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health was argued in December of 2021. The Chief Justice has written the opinion in Cummings versus Premier, also argued in December of 2021, which means more likely than not, the Chief Justice is not the author of the Dobbs decision. And if it's not him, then it's gotta be one of the conservatives because they're not going to toss the case. They're not going to Throw the case out. You do not have the liberal votes. Kagan, Sotomayor, and Breyer will not have written a majority opinion on an abortion case in the Roberts court. They won't. Even Roberts is to their right on this. So um, Gorsuch has already written two opinions in the November sitting, uh, one of which was the Texas abortion case. And neither Thomas nor Barrett have issued a decision in uh, November yet. So Thomas probably uh, got the November abortion case and Gorsuch persuaded others to leave open the appearance of a window. So he got it from him. I'm reading from Greg Store now. Greg uh, Store is the Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter so all of that it just seems to suggest that um Roberts could be maneuvering with one of the other right-wing justices to preserve some level of row that is what the uh, Wall Street Journal editorial board is suggesting uh possibly uh trying to finagle with a Gorsuch or an Amy Coney Barrett or Kavanaugh to take the case but leave something or um, they could be getting rid of it altogether. You, you're reading tea leaves, I realize, and I realize I'm giving you the reading of the tea leaves from other people. But the fact that John Roberts wrote the case, a case out of the December court session, means he's not more likely than not going to write one out of December. 
Neil Gorsuch wrote two opinions out of November, which means he's probably not writing one for December because he also wrote one in October. So that leaves Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, Clarence Thomas, and Sam Alito to probably write the Dobbs opinion. And if it's one of them, it probably means that they are curtailing Roe v. Wade or getting rid of it altogether. In either case, the left is going to be upset. And I, I got to go back. So I don't listen to myself. Y'all, I love y'all. I love you. One of the reasons I love you is you listen to my voice. I can't listen to my voice. Now, most people can't listen to their voices. And I am told by audiologists, like, like experts in audio, that you actually don't hear your voice the same way other people hear your voice. That gives me some comfort because, my God, I feel like I'm waterboarding people on a daily basis. <laughs> I know I should say that, but it was really, it was a phobia when I got started. Um, Mo Sherry, if you're listening right now, and I don't know if you are, uh, but but we'll know. Uh, so the guy who 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 is to blame for me being on radio more than the other, really, is a guy named Greg Mo Sherry. Uh, Greg lives up in Michigan. He had been the program director at WSB and left to become their, their kind of outside consultant. And my boss, Pete Spriggs, is now the outside consultant, and, and Greg is no longer. But he was the guy who kind of got me in and, and kind of coached me, was the outside guy who got me in. And I was just, I, was like, I can't believe people would listen to me on the radio. I can't. Uh, and and they, they actually put it in survey research. So the my parent company, Cox Media Group, um, I mean, they study the snot out of everything, everything that goes on radio. They, they like take the programmer's guts out of it. And it's all by study. Sometimes I think that the data has been misinterpreted, but that's, that's my own issue. But I mean, if it, it, they want to study everything and, and they studied my voice and people were fine with my voice and now people come to the, Oh, I can tell you've got a voice for radio. No, y'all. I was talking to a guy on the phone yesterday who is in radio. That guy has a voice for radio. I, I, I got a voice for print. Um, it's, it's just, it's remarkable, but it, nonetheless, I, I digress. I go all over the place. I, I had to, I had to go back and listen to what I was saying yesterday. I kept having people compliment me. I felt like I completely screwed it up because I, it was the fourth amendment, not the fifth or the sixth and all that explaining the history of Roe v. Wade and abortion in America, trying to bring you up to speed on what's coming. And I missed the point. I got so distracted by explaining the law. And what the law is and, and how it's progressed and what's the sake. I missed the central point that I wanted to get to. And aside from the aside, Charlie's about to send me an angry note, I know. When I talk to you guys on radio about something, you need to understand this. And I'm not joking. I'm not being flippant. I don't know why it is. But anyone who works with me can swear to you this is true. The moment it has left me and I pushed the little button to go to a commercial break. I can't tell you what I just said. It, once it gets out of my head, it is off for posterity's sake. It is no longer in my head. I cannot remember my monologues once they're done. I get text messages all the time from people I work with. That was really good. You did really good. You hit all the, you hit these notes. It was good. The listener's gonna love it. I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I have no idea. Uh, once it is gone from my brain uh, to you via this microphone that I'm in front of, I, I, I can't tell you what it is. 
So I had to go back and listen to yesterday's monologue, and I hate to listen to my voice, and I hate to do that, and I realized I missed the central point, the entire monologue on abortion. The Democrats want Joe Biden to get out there right now because they've realized the Republicans are no longer scared of them. And I don't know that it'll help them. So Oklahoma is passing an abortion law mirrored after Texas. They've just passed it. It's going to be signed into law by the governor in Oklahoma. Hi, folks out at KRMG. Uh, Texas has one. Uh, Oklahoma has one. Mississippi, it's before the Supreme Court with its. Georgia has its fetal heartbeat ban. Indiana has passed one. Ohio has passed one. Uh, Democrats realize that uh, Republicans are no longer scared of the pro-abortion lobby. And, you know, Planned Parenthood has now told abortionists to stop calling yourself pro-choice and call yourself pro-abortion because they're totally fine with telling people they love to kill kids now. And the Democrats are really worried about this because for years they have stoked so many fears about the end of Roe v. Wade and people don't care about the issue anymore on their side. It's not firing people up. And their hope is that the Supreme Court will get rid of Roe v. Wade and it will scare the bejesus out of college-educated women who believe they have to kill their kids to advance their careers. And those women will turn out in droves for the Democrats. There's a problem. Those women are already turning out to vote Democrat. They're not adding to the coalition. And the Democrats are privately advising Joe Biden, you got to get out and talk about abortion all the time. You've got to get out and talk about um, killing kids and the right to choose and the right to an abortion and the health care right and all of it, you got to do it now. You got to get out there and build this. This is ground that we need to, to fight. The Republicans aren't scared of us. Get out there, Joe. They have a problem. Voters don't like Joe Biden right now. In fact, we haven't done this in a, in a week or so. RealClearPolitics.com. Click on the polling tab. Biden job approval. Holy moly. Uh, 41.7% approval rating. 53.3% disapproval rating. Uh, Emerson College, Biden, 42 approve. Economist YouGov, which is one of the more, that and Fox News are the two most friendly to Biden polls, and he's at 43% approval. Rasmussen, 42. Reuters, 42. Politico, 42. Quinnipiac, 40. Insider Advantage, 43. Harvard, Harris, 41. Trafalgar, which is a Republican poll, 40. He's not doing well, guys. He's not doing well. Um, bad bad for Joe. He can't go out. He can't go out and talk about abortion. He can't because uh, he'll make people more pro-life. If Joe, if Joe Biden comes out tomorrow and tells you Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior, half the Christians in America would become atheists. That's how much Americans hate Joe Biden right now. If Joe Biden came out tomorrow and said, breathe, air is good, half the country would fall over dead because they would stop breathing. That's the problem the Democrats have. If Joe Biden stakes out position X, Americans aren't going to go to Y. They're going to go to negative X. They're going to do the exact opposite. And on top of that, Joe Biden's got to go out and talk up the economy. He's got to talk about what he's doing for the people. He can't go out and talk about killing kids because he's got to talk about all these other issues that the voters want to hear him on. They don't want to hear him talk about abortion. And the Democrats realize they got a real problem here because if the Supreme Court allows the Dobbs case to stand in Mississippi, then it's game over for the abortion rights industry in a good portion of this country. There will be states like California, 
uh, Illinois, uh, New New York, New Jersey, Connecticut that will preserve killing kids as a right, uh, but most of the country won't. Very much like the the gun laws in the country, uh, how uh, half the countries now have constitutional carry laws. It's remarkable how much the left has lost on this. And interestingly enough, it's the right that feels like an existential terror right now at all times, in all cases. It's the right that feels like they're losing the culture war when actually the data shows they're doing quite well because Joe Biden's doing so bad, including on this. The Democrats need him to go out aggressively on this issue before a Supreme Court decision is announced in June. And he's not, and he can't. And if he does, it'll make it worse for him. Oh, to be a Democrat. These y'all look, we Republicans, we we've been down this road. We we have. We we know these sucky days in politics when everybody hates you. We've been there. But today it's not our turn. It's y'all's. And during all of this, we're seeing 40 years of high inflation. We're seeing interest rate hikes. More are coming, by the way. We're seeing increased gas prices. If you got fifty thousand dollars or more in your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement savings, your money could be at risk. And you don't have a lot of options. You can protect your money with physical gold and silver, though, by calling 855-904-5933. You will get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings and money, and many, many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it with GoldCo. So call my friends at GoldCo. Find out how you qualify for the special offer. GoldCo has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation, stock market crashes. They can help you, too. Uh, instead of trying to give you the number while you're driving, or you, you'll remember this. If you text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, I'll text you back their phone number. Tell them I sent you. Uh, so it may not be a good fit for you, but maybe it is. Uh, with inflation the way it was in the Jimmy Carter era right now, maybe precious metals are the way to go for you. So text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I'll get you Gold Coast number. You can talk to him. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I am glad to have you with me here. Uh, the Biden team has decided that uh, they need to combat disinformation. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas of Homeland Security has said it's one of the things they are going to do. Another huge threat to our homeland is myths and disinformation. You noted that it's a concern of yours at the border with human smuggling organizations peddling misinformation to exploit vulnerable migrants for profit. One of my main concerns about disinformation is that foreign adversaries attempt to destabilize our elections by targeting people of color with disinformation campaigns. After it became clear that there was more meddling in our 2016 election, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence authored a report on the disinformation tactics used by Russia's Internet Research Agency, the IRA, to interfere in the election. The report found that, quote, no single group of Americans was targeted by the IRA information operatives more than African Americans. A newer trend that we saw in the 2020 election and already in the 2022 midterms is that disinformation is being heavily targeted at Spanish-speaking voters. Sparking Now, I'm going to pause there and jump to the secretary here just so you know what I'm doing uh, so he can answer. He's engaged in this critical effort. Of course, our cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency um, has an entire effort focused on election security right. uh, as part of its mission set. Our Office of Policy... Office of Planning, Policy, and Strategy um, also uh, is a leading effort. Uh, uh, our Undersecretary uh, for Policy, Rob Silvers, is co-chair 
with our principal deputy general counsel, Jennifer Gaskell, in um, leading a just recently constituted uh, a misinformation, disinformation governance board. Misinformation, disinformation governance board. They put as the executive director there a woman named Nina Jen- Jenkowitz. You need to know that the uh, czar in charge of disinformation and misinformation uh, was an advocate of the Steele dossier and believed it was true. She also believed the Hunter Biden laptop story was disinformation peddled by the Russians. Uh, And uh, she tweeted during uh, the presidential debate when it came up from Donald Trump that back on the laptop from hell, apparently Biden notes 50 former NATSEC officials and five former CIA heads believe the laptop is a Russian influence operation. Uh, So she fell for all of the information and somehow wants to be the disinformation czar. Really? This woman is going to be in charge of it. Y'all, the Democrats have convinced themselves of a series of mythologies. It's what allows them to sleep at night. But the reality is in those mythologies, they now have a worldview that is disconnected from reality. And a worldview disconnected from reality for the Democrats may help them sleep well at night, but it's not going to help them mitigate what's coming in November. I, I'm just, I, I really am just, just flabbergasted by the Democrats' inability to connect their worldview with reality right now. The reality is really bad for the Democrats, and everyone should realize it. Historically, they should realize it. And instead, the Democrats, well, it's just disinformation. It's, it's people are falling for it. No, people just don't like you. They don't like you right now. And they don't like you because your worldview is disconnected from reality. you got to be able to fix that to mitigate what's coming in November.